Welcome to Letterboxd Book Club. My name is Claire. And I'm Mackenzie. And this is, this is our first one. Well, first book, little book chit chat. How are you feeling, Kenzie? I'm so excited to start this. This is very exciting. And we are happy to kick it off with uh, a book that Book Talk really kind of influenced us by. Um, we're going to be talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J Mass. And uh, yeah, pretty keen. Good read. And Kenzie will uh, read us the blurb and we'll get re-immersed and, and have, a, have a chat about it. This is a book that reignited my love for reading. So, Vera is a huntress. The skin of a wolf would bring enough gold to feed her sisters for a month. But the life of a magical creature comes at a steep price and Farah has just killed the wrong wolf. Taken prisoner by, by a high fey lord, Farah learns that her masked captor is hiding even more than his piercing gaze suggests. But as Farah's feelings for Tamlin begin to burn through every warning she'd heard about his kind, a shadow is falling across the land. And if Farah cannot fight it, she will lose everything. Good way to kick us back. How mysterious. Very mysterious. And as far as we're aware, this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. So there's going to be a lot of familiar and similar themes in regards to like the actual Beauty and the Beast tales, which is pretty good. My only question is, like, how far can you go calling it a retelling? I suppose it's a different like oh, fantasy world in general. Like they're not. Yeah. It's not exactly like copyright the idea. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, like the, it's influenced by. Influenced, yeah, I suppose, yeah. So long as you're not having dancing teacups and utensils and stuff, I suppose you're fine. Yeah. Alrighty, we're going to get stuck into it. First part of the book, essentially, is Feyre's, like, family life, how she came about in in this situation. Um, She ends up, she kills a wolf, which turns out to be a fairy, long story short, and then... Uh, like that night or whatever, the another fairy wolf comes and like takes her away. Yeah, big beast comes and takes her away. Which we know to be Tamlin. We know to be Tamlin. It's fine. Feyre yeah. doesn't know that it's Tamlin. Initial early life, we are introduced to her family, a Ferris family, which is Nesta, Elaine, and her father. Or their father seems to not have a name at this throughout this book, as far as we're aware. Which is a little weird. Maybe he might not be as significant as we think. Um. So what do you think about... Yeah, it's interesting that all of the other characters, sorry, are given names. Like Feyre's sisters, Nesta and Elaine. Um, and then a lot of just character... Uh, sorry, villages where she lives are given names um, in relation to them in their story. But her father is never named as far as I'm aware. Yeah, which I find is a little, little unconventional. I would think. Um, so initially, what do you think of Elaine and Nesta? And just remember, like, they're in, they're in, impoverished. They're living in poverty right now. Because I've read the other books, um, like, we're coming into this from, like, we've read it and we're going to be giving spoilers or whatever. Um, I just think that they're a little bit selfish in that they are relying on Feyre to go out and hunt and provide for them when they probably had other ample opportunity to also help provide for their family, but they're content with just letting their sister go out and do all the hard yards for them while they sit back. In not comfort, but in as much comfort as they can get in. They're all wallowing in their own bit of self-pity and in their yeah. own poverty. Because I know everyone 
pretty much hates their father because he has been knocked about by some creditors and he pretty much essentially gives up on life. He doesn't want to provide or take on that opportunity. Nesta is pretty, like, nasty to him in particular. Like, it was described that she um, would purposefully, you know, put his cane out of reach from him and he would then struggle to to stand up and all that type of stuff. Elaine just likes to garden and she... um, likes to overspend what little they already have. Like, she wants the finest yeah. stuff despite what they have, which, you know, you got to really ration and budget your things when you're when you're poor, and she just wants that, that bit of extra bit of happiness from it, but I guess. Yeah, that sets us up their home life. The wolf, Tamlin, comes and explains to Feyre that, you know, she killed a fairy wolf, and then in the name of the treaty, she can either die tonight or be taken away to Prithian and live with him? Yeah, so essentially um, she's paying a life debt and the life debt is either, yeah, you die or you come and you spend your day, that your days with us in our land. And she goes, she traverses, or she was, she's technically knocked out and she, uh, with the assistance... She mainly of, knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes over the wall that separates Prithian between the mortal lands and she is not really greeted, but she is greeted by the, the environment of the Spring Court, which Tamlin resides in. And Earl, and we meet the Spring Court crew. Yeah, so it's a lot of um, still kind of world building and stuff, but it does get into the story pretty I want to know your opinion on Lucien, because I, like, obviously, like, you can't tell from the blurb, like, who the main love interest is going to be, and especially the way Tamlin was so, so standoffish at the start and stuff. I was shipping Feyre and Lucian a little bit. Honestly, you could pretty much ship anybody with anybody in this book, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Lucian, even so, was a bit apprehensive about Feyre being in the Spring Court. Like, he wasn't immediately, like, nice and welcoming. He was also a bit yeah. kind of defensive and, like, very weary of her presence, because I'm sure he is not sure what Tamlin is on about. As the story goes on, you know, we learn that Lucian and Feyre go on little hunting trips, although they don't really, like, catch anything. Um, no, because she... Because we... Obviously, you find out that the wolf that she killed for the pelt, for the money for her family, was um, a fae oh, yes, shapeshift. Yes. So she essentially killed one of their friends. So she feels awful about that, and she doesn't really want to hunt anymore because yeah she doesn't want any more killing but yeah and that's also probably why lucian is a little bit like you just murdered my friend why would i want to live with you <laughs> as well yeah but he yes. he trusts he he know his trust he trusts his high lord in his decisions um and pharaoh just doesn't know that he is a high lord yet he just thinks he's a spring court, very rich spring court dweller um and pharaoh has a servant assigned to her named alice i quite liked alice oh kind of like you know, offers the elbow out, you know, a bit of friendship and a bit of niceness about it. Very motherly behaviour. Yeah, very maternal type instincts. Yeah. So in, like, the middle of the book, in the meat of the book, before we get to the, um, dare I say, best part of the book, the last section, um, we're just kind of still world-building, world-exploring, finding out about things, and we're introduced to many different sort of, like, magical creatures and things like that. Very kind of dementorish, but yeah. Very lesser fairy evil type of entities. 
Um, yes. We meet the Ator, we meet a Naga, and we meet a, a Bogey. Bogey? Yes. And we meet, like, a Surreal. And three out of, like, the Ator, Naga, and, and Bogey are more lesser creatures who have been kind of seeping into the Spring Court boundaries. And Tamlin throughout the book and Lucian have kind of been dispatching them. Or oh, it's more the, more the Naga, wasn't it? Yeah. Or all other lesser fairy creatures. Anyway, terrible entities have been seeping through the boundaries and Tamlin has to yeah. slice them up. Yeah, in his beast form. <laughs> big, big and scary. Very much Beauty and the Beast vibes with the beast yeah. going off to kill the wolves and all that type of thing. Um, but yeah, pretty much yeah, the meat of the, the book is like, you can literally visualise it as Beauty and the Beast, you know, Belle falling for the beast. and then... Yeah, Tamlin doing nice things for her, like showing her the, the glen and the river, or the lake, sorry, and all those sorts of things and giving her paints. Very a la have a library, but instead of a library, it's here have a paint studio. Although she, he does show her a library, I'm pretty sure. And he kind of, yes. this is where we <laughs> learn she can't really read or write. She can't read, yeah. <laughs> um, so he has a little try at helping her, but she's apprehensive about it. Um, we, we also learned early on, actually, that Feyre is funnily enough free to do as she pleases amongst the Spring Court. And not a lot of humans dwell in these lands. So you'd think, you know, a lot of people or whoever see her, they'd probably want to try and, like, kill her or dispose of her. I feel like that's a bit silly, you know? She's quite vulnerable as a human. She yeah. would not be able to match up against the fairy, although she did kill the wolf. With... She is a good hunter. So there's a blight amongst Prithian, and I just forgot to mention that uh, everyone in the Spring Court is magically donned a mask. The mask cannot take it off, and we will learn about that, and I'll get Kenzie to explain, because she is very good at explaining things at a later time. Um, <laughs> but we learn of a blight, and Tamlin's job is to search for a cure, and he is essentially um, blaming the blight for all these like lesser fairy, darker, evil entities that are you know, reaching into his territories. He's trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. There's been a couple of incidences where um, in the middle of the night, like, a fairy's, like, wings were, like, ripped off and, like, are you sure he died? And, you know, it was kind of, like, maybe perceived as a as a threat of sorts and um, other little... I forget of other little instances at the moment. Um, there was a head. They got a head in oh, the basket yes. or something. Yes, a head delivered. And of course, when Feyre wants elaboration on all these happenings and the blight in general, Tamlin doesn't really say much. She tries to talk to like Alice and Lucian, and they don't really give her much. But Lucian did give her an idea that there is a creature, which is the Serial, um, can answer all of her questions. Um, yeah. And so she asks, how does she catch one? And then Lucian tells her, and she manages to, to, to succeed, at, succeed at doing it, which very protagonist, able to do everything with ease. Yeah, very <laughs> easy, very OP. Very OP, yeah. Um, and yeah, the serial tells her that the... the did, he gives, did he give her all the details? Like, um, that he's the High Lord. Yeah, stay with the High Lord and you'll be safe. But I'd like to mention, if, you, if you're listening to this... I assume that you've read the series or you are you have read at least the first book. So I'd like to point out that it's very clever the wording because there are what seven high lords in Perithian. So yeah, the um serial just says to stay with the high lord. It doesn't like necessarily stay like stay with the high lord of spring, like Yeah. So 
Yeah, you, you get a, you get a lot of that throughout the series. Is that tricky fairy language? Like it's ambiguous enough, but it could mean anything. Just yeah, or just the... like expectation subversion. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so that's what she, she learns from the serial. Stay with the High Lord. Yeah, and, and you'll be safe. And you'll be safe. But yeah, all right, Kenzie, I'm going to get you ex- to explain the overall, overall grand scheme of, like, Amaranth, like, the curse, or the blight. Okay, cool. So, a little bit further on in the story, we learn, actually, that it is not a blight on the land. Well, the blight is a, uh, I guess, I would call her a fey queen, a self-appointed fey queen, I guess, called Amarantha. And she basically... Um, loved Tamlin and wanted Tamlin as her king and he essentially refused um and so she um got really mad at him or something but then to win back their favor she threw a masked ball for them for all of the lands and the spring court all wore, wore masks but it was a trick and she cursed them so that the masks are stuck on their head most of all the other fae in Prithian are stuck in a self-made court called Under the Mountain with her, which is just a horrible place. And she, because Tamlin wouldn't love her, she said you have seven, 49 seven years? Seven by seven years. Yeah, you have seven by seven years for a human to fall in love with you, but the human has to hate fairies which fairy did at the start because of all the stories and things that they had been told yeah pretty much humans are inherently ingrained to like fear and hate fairies just because yeah you're like human in a one-on-one a human stands no chance <laughs> really yeah. <laughs> um so yeah this is where we get the whole beauty heavy beauty and the beast vibes um you know fall mm. in love with something that you know you hate the most essentially or hates yeah. you so we learn that just to add um, Amarantha is actually kind of like a rogue general-ish type of person um, from the continent Highburn. Um, she's under the king of Highburn's thumb. But yeah, she's gone a little rogue uh, throughout Perithian because, yeah, she's vying for Tamlin's love and affection in which he rejected. She is, she is being a bit dramatic about all this. She can't take no for an answer, it seems. Very um, girl bossing too close to the sun. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's giving. Um, I don't want to glorify. I don't want to glorify murder, but I do want to. You know, I love the empowerment of women. You know, yeah, <laughs> girl boss, gatekeep, girl boss, all the TikTok references, <laughs> and yes, so that's essentially the whole big spiel. Alice eventually tells Pharaoh all this um, a bit later on. Um, yeah, and throughout the book. We learn that the Spring Court has a nice, fun little, uh, like, custom that they celebrate, uh, which is, I think, Kenzie's favourite part of the book, which is called Kalanmei, Fire Night. It's pretty much a celebration of the beginning of spring, uh, celebrating, like, you know, fertility, growth, all that type of stuff. Yeah, all things that make it lands prosperous. At this time, Tamlin and Farrah's relationship is kind of, I'd say they're friends. Or they're a bit, they're friends, they're a bit yeah. flirty at this point. And, um... Yeah, Tamlin is adamant that uh, Pharaoh should, like, not attend or stay away because he... Will be under heavily influenced by the magics. Yes, like, he kind of opens himself up and all cracks all the magical energy and he essentially isn't really himself. And it's, as a High Lord, it is his privilege to perform a thing called a Great Rite, 
which is essentially find sex. find a female, um, <laughs> yeah, have sex under in a mountain pass or something like that, and then in a cave, in yeah. a cave and the rest of the folk who are in attendance are free to do the same with whomever they wish. Yeah, I think it's just meant to be yeah, like a culmination of like all the magics and then the release through. Um, yeah. Sexual through coitus through coitus. Yeah, and obviously Feyre being the, um, you know, young protagonist that she is, she will not sit still, so she has to suss around, and of course that gets her in a little bit of strife. Uh, She is confronted by three other, like, fairy folk who are trying to, are they just trying to, like, take her away, kidnap her, or are they just... They're trying to take her to a secondary location. Because she's human, and, like, you know, they don't really have, they don't see humans that often, so obviously they want to kind of... They, yeah. they, they see an opportunity in front of them to be nasty. But then she yeah. is rescued by a nice the, fairy, fairy in fella. Quotes, in quotes, the most beautiful, the most handsome, what, most beautiful or most handsome man yeah. I've ever seen. I think it was the most beautiful man I've ever seen. I've ever seen, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he pretty much, int- he doesn't really introduce himself. He's like, ah, oh, thank you for finding her for me or something like that. And he... There you are, I've been looking for you. So you remember that one, but not the beautiful one. <laughs> That's the most important one! <laughs> but yeah, um, he pretty much threatens the other fairies and they let Pharaoh go. And so Pharaoh is in the safety, so we think, of this young fairy gentleman. gentleman. Um, and they kind of just have a bit of a chat, a bit of a hangabout. And then he leaves her be, drops her off back to the manor, I think. I think no. No, he just um scares him because then she dances. Oh yeah, she has a bit of a dance. Oh yeah, because then yeah, she yeah. sees Tamlin playing, I think, a fiddle or something or some sort of yeah. instrument, and that she gets they because they're still learning a lot about each other, but she finds that that's something that she likes about him. Um, because yeah. you wouldn't think a high lord would be the one you know doing like the grunt work, being a part of the band, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Tamlin does his business as well. Um. He kind of corners Feyre in the manor, I think, at some point, and have a bit of a... Yeah. Uh, he bites her. He bites like her neck. Like the beast that he is. <laughs> yeah, bites her neck. Um, and, and she quite likes it. And that's the end of Callan May. Lucian is, like, tusking, like, you should have just stayed home. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure Lucian would have had a fun night himself. Yeah, the next morning he's just like, who did that? And she's like, your mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your friend. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, do you have any, anything else to say about Callan May? Because I know when I was reading it, I, you know, you'd be messaging me like, uh, are you up to that part yet? Yeah, my favourite part. Um, I just liked the introduction of Reese although I don't think he's named yet no, at this part. No, but yes, but if um, you have read the book or the couple books in now, yeah, we, we do know that it's Reese. Uh, yeah, exactly. So a little bit after Callan May. Uh, after all these yeah in- incidents occurred, we get a visit from this Callan uh, yeah. May fairy. First figure. of all, sorry, sorry. Just before this rush into this, um, there is like a point where Feyre and Tamlin um like admit their feelings for each other and they kiss um and it's all very lovely. But then ev- the next day, everything goes bonkers. Yes, please explain because I think I may have. I need. I need a bit of a memory jog myself. Oh, good. So as we've mentioned as well, um, they received like um the head of a fairy or whatever, 
And so the mysterious man from Kalanmai shows up and um, Tamlin tells Feyre to get behind Lucian and he'll glamour her so that this man can't see who she is. And this man, who then we find out is recent, comes in and is all like, oh, did you like my gift? Blah, blah, blah. Um, just threatening them, kind of like reminding him, you know, you've not got a lot of time left. But Rhysand sees through the glamour and demands to know uh, Feyre's name. And Feyre lies and says that her name is Claire Bedor, one of the girls she knew from her village at home. Rhysand says he won't tell Amarantha about her if Lucian and Tamlin beg before him. So it's very humiliating. I think, I don't know, it was the next day. Yeah, so Feyre and Tamlin spend the night together, have the sexy times, but then the next day he puts her in a carriage and sends her home because he says it's safer for her at home. Um, she can't be with him anymore. And he tells her he loves her, but she doesn't say it back. And she says, she says that she should, and like she does love him, but she just can't say it back. Yes, of course, the moment where, you know, you learn that she's like kind of like the key like yeah it just gets slipped she gets slipped away like that so yeah Feyre returns home um we learned that Tamlin glamoured her family's memories or mixed them up a bit just to kind of to... I think so they wouldn't try to come after her yeah or realize that Feyre's absence is in the world of Prithian or anything like that yeah so and the family is like rich yeah the family's rich again I was gonna say he sent them yeah lots of money yeah, everyone, everyone's happy to see her. Like, yeah, Tamlin messed with their minds to say that Pharaoh was, like, visiting or helping some aunt. But, um, of course, Nesta is suspicious from the get-go. So as I was reading this, I knew she knew something was up. Like, something just wasn't yeah. right. It turns out the glamour did not work on her. She has too strong of a will to to be influenced by such magic. And she wants to interrogate Pharaoh essentially straight away. <laughs> Yeah, she wants to learn everything. After reading the series, it's quite weird how she would be so strong-willed about this as opposed to other things later on. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, and interesting how her power is built up. Yeah, for sure. Already, even before she's influenced by um, certain other things that happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, Pharaoh pretty much tells Nesta everything. Uh, and their father's gone off somewhere, I think, still. Yeah, he's a merchant again. Yes, he's going off on his merchant. Someone, Nesta Oilane, mentioned that Claire Bedor in the village has gone missing. And so Feyre realises that that's the name that she gave and so something doesn't add up. And so she has to go back to Tam Tam. Yes, I think she, she realises she kind of made that mistake. Like, because their, their, whole, their whole place got, like, burnt down and everything. They were absolutely destroyed. And yeah, so it just she, destroyed their yeah. house. Yeah, the Claire, the Claire bought a better household, gone. Um, and so, yeah, she's freaking out now. Now she has to go back to Tamlin because she knows something is definitely wrong. Um, and here we are with the almost final, like, third of the book, which is pretty much the journey to and the journey of Under the Mountain. Yeah, so she goes back through the wall and she discovers that the spring court has been ransacked. The manor pretty much, yeah... Not, yeah, well, not, 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 not yeah. destroyed, but yeah, ransacked, a bit of damage here and there. But uh, Alice manages to find Feyre, and this is where she gives her the whole spiel about Amarantha and her relationship with Tamlin and the seven by seven years and the curse and, the curse and everything. Mm -hmm. 
And then Feyre's like, yeah, freaking out. Alice warns her not to kind of go under the mountain, but Alice, um, Feyre being Feyre, she, she will do that. Um, yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> and it just gives it. But also she says, like, don't go under there, but also this is the way to go there. Before she even really gets a chance to go there herself, she does get captured. Yeah. Um, and she's brought forth to meet Amarantha of Highburn in the flesh. Um, Amarantha essentially gives Feyre, like, three trials in order to kind of save Tamlin and the Spring Court. Um, or she is to, at any time, answer a riddle. I do not have that up, but that's okay. We don't have to read it out. But did you ever figure out the riddle while you're reading this part? No. <laughs> I, I didn't really try to, but... I didn't try it because I was like, yeah, I'm going to be told the answer. And so the three trials end up being fighting. I'm just going to say them as as it is. Middengard she, worm. Yeah, she yeah she fights a Middengard worm. And there is one that um is like a, a reading thing, which we learnt that Feyre cannot read. So this would be a challenge. And then the third one was essentially uh, killing three fairy people. Tamlin. And one of them being Tamlin. So the Middengard worm... <laughs> Because she is, yeah, the renowned little hunter that she is, she manages to do it with a little bit of ease, but it was also quite difficult. Um, she also breaks her arm through the skin. And she does, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and this is where all the Amarantha and all the kind of lesser fairies and everybody who resides in the, in the under the mountain, they were quite, like, semi-surprised and impressed because they were kind of expecting her to just die outright. Because, you know, what's a little human girl against, you know, in this world full of monsters and creatures? Like, you'd think she wouldn't last that long. Yeah. And we learned that there's been a lot of, like, betting. Because, obviously, think of, like, Hunger Hunger Games, Triwizard Tournament-esque, you know. People are going to bet. Yeah. And um, yeah. and it turns out that our boy Reese has been betting for Feyre to win. So he's coming home a bit bit rich, which is nice. Yeah. I'd, so also at this point, first of all, before the uh, tasks, like the trials, she is beaten up and taken to a cell because Amarantha says that um, she has three tasks over three full moons, so three months essentially. Um, so after the first one, she's beaten up, her nose is broken. Well, before the first one, sorry, her nose is broken and Lucian comes and heals her nose. Good boy. Um, but then after the first one, when she has broken her arm through her skin, um, she is infected. She is essentially dying. Resand comes to see her and she essentially just tells him to go away. She doesn't need his help. And she's waiting for Lucian because Lucian came before. So Lucian's going to come again. That's what she thinks. But then Resand offers her a bargain. He says that he'll heal her. If she agrees to spend, at first he starts with two weeks out of every month, but then she negotiates it down to a week every month. And so he heals her arm, but it is a tradition in his court where he's from the night court that when you strike a bargain with someone, it is marked upon your skin in the form of a tattoo. So on her left arm, I think it is, she gets a big black tattoo all the way down her arm and on her hand. Didn't he kind of like in a way, pressure her by, like, hurting her already then broken arm in order to kind of get her to agree. Yeah, I think he, like, pressed on it. But he also was like, you're gonna die anyway. And we learned throughout this part that Reese is known as Amarantha's whore. Um, whore. And kind of someone to do her bidding as well as well as betting her. Bid and betting. Yes, as well as a do her. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we don't know if he has any like ulterior motives. Like, is he really with Amarantha, like on her side, or does he have his own stuff to deal with and he wants to use? Yeah, is he human? helping Feyre just to prolong the inevitable, or yeah, or to fulfill his own little plans? But yeah, the deal is done. We're up to the second trial, which is a kind of reading exercise. There's like a question, and there are three levers and. Yeah, so there's a question in three levers, and like above every lever, like is an answer. I guess so it's like a multiple choice question, and but there's like a a wall cage sort of thing, and on the other side is Lucian, and there's like a roof coming down on him. So if she doesn't get it right, he's squished, and Lucian gets crushed. Yes, bye bye. And so as Farah is trying to answer, um, she would move to like say the first response, and suddenly her left arm would be ringing with a bit of pain, um. And she's, like, freaking out, like, why is this happening? So she reaches for, like, the second one, I think, even. Mm -hmm. And she starts, it starts wriggling in pain. But she's kind of being stubborn about it. She really wants to choose the second answer. But then, I think at this point is where she hears Reese's voice. Yeah. Through that bargain. Being like, like, don't don't pick this one. It's the third one. And so, yeah, she picks, she you know, moves her hand over to the third one her left arm isn't in a bit of pain so you know she pulls that lever and it turns out to be right Lucian is saved she was also really stressing the hell out because you know yeah her and Lucian created a nice little buddy buddy friendship that we love to see and it would have been yeah that's her friend although it would have been interesting to have someone like that killed off like at this point in a series in a book series because we know it's a book series um that would have been pretty cool like the emotional ramifications of that but Alas, no. During this trial in particular, uh, Lucian has some brothers from the Autumn Court who are kind of watching all this happen as well, and they're kind of probably rooting for him to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, they are left disappointed as Feyre succeeds, and then, yeah, she's taken back to her cell. And Lucian comes again, I think. At this point, yeah. And he's like, does he see the tattoo, or does he just know yeah. that? Yeah. So he sees the tattoo, he kind of confronts her and is like, why would you allow, like, Reese to heal you when he was coming back Yeah, that why night? would you strike a bargain? But, um, obviously Pharaoh didn't know because she can't read his friggin' mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they have that little bit of a tussle, but they're alright. Um, although Pharaoh does hold this against him, you know, throughout other books. Um, yeah. And also throughout this entire thing, Tamlin is like just sitting by Amarantha as all this happens, and he doesn't say a word. He doesn't acknowledge Feyre in any sort of way. He's just being very stone faced and very yeah. He's just kind of holding himself. And Tamlin which, is yeah, not reacting at all to anything. No, you'd think because it, if it's the one person, I swear he just doesn't want to sh- show how much he loves her to Amarantha. I guess because he knows that she'll hurt her even more. But it was still annoying that he didn't do anything. Nothing. Like, it was just described stone-faced, not flinching. Um, Except for the only time he did have any reaction was at one point when, so I guess, like, every few nights or whatever, Amarantha just has a party and everyone drinks and gets drunk and has a good time and dances. And Rhysand takes Feyre to these and he dresses her very scantily and puts body paint all over her so that he knows if anyone touches her. But so at one point, Tamlin like, and Feyre are able to have a bit of a quick little rendezvous. Tamlin doesn't really say anything, doesn't ask if she's okay, you know, after nearly dying a few times. 
he just straight away starts making out with her. Just the little horn dog he is. Little horn dog. <laughs> um. And then Rhysian catches them. And so he has to, and then, because he is afraid of what will happen if Amarantha em catches them. So he then starts making out with Vera. Yeah. To cover the tracks. Yeah, and of course, you know, is Reese doing this? We learned that Reese and Tamlin's, like, kind of relationship together is a very, uh, a very conflicting one. They really do not like each other. Oh, is he doing this just to piss Tamlin off? Is he doing it to, as, yeah, again, as, like, at the hand of Amarantha? Or does he have his own sort of um, agenda happening? Yeah. We don't know. At this point, yeah, I was very kind of, like, confused about what he was going to do. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? But... Yes, but we yeah we do learn that the body pain and everything it's all for a reason and yeah so the third trial comes about you know three months away, past and Feyre essentially has to kill three fairies she kills two of them very quite wouldn't say easily but she manages to do it you know it would very but it is revealed that Tamlin is the third fairy that she has to kill. Yes, she has to stab him through the heart. Um, and it is. Revealed at this point as well that, and all throughout the book as well, there's so many things when Tamlin and Feyre are like first starting to get to know each other and stuff. Where Lucian mentions, like, you know, offhand, haha, like for a man with a heart of stone, that sort of thing, and says a lot of phrases like that, oh, you've got a heart of stone, or a man with a heart of stone, you still feel a lot, whatever, stuff like that. And it's always usually within earshot of Feyre. And then Feyre realises that they were giving her a clue the whole time. And she, like, leans in close and, like, puts a hand on his chest and realises that she doesn't feel a heartbeat. So he decides to drive the dagger in and she, like, feels it, like, bend and, like, brings it back out. And the tip has bent, so he does have a heart of stone. And at this point, she also realises the answer to the riddle in which... The answer is love. How cliche. We mm. love that. <laughs> and so Feyre having completed the trials now with complete succession, and she just answered the riddle, even though she didn't really have to, considering she just completed the three trials. Um, Amarantha, being that, you know, darker, evil fairy entity, is kind of, like, taking back her word. Um, she doesn't yeah, like and this she outcome. Says, yeah, she says, oh, I said I'd free them, everyone under the mountain, but I didn't say when. <laughs> Yeah, she pulls that sort of, like, BS trickery. And then in that moment, she just outright snaps Feyre's neck. Or magically yeah. kills her. And um, so that was a bit shocking. Yeah. And then I think, like, the magic of the curse must have lifted regardless. Because then at, um, Tamlin just went straight for Amarantha and he rips her to shreds. So yeah, Feyre's dying. Yeah. She's on the brink of death, and I'll get you to explain this part, Kenzie, because you, you're really good at it. So, Feyre is, like, in limbo, I guess you would call it. She says that she's suddenly not seeing through her own eyes. She's seeing through someone else's, like, the whole scene play out. And you find out through in another couple of books that she was looking through Resands. Or is it in this book that you find out it was Resands? Yeah, yeah, in this book, straight up. It was Rhysand. Oh, yeah, it was Rhysand's point of view. Also, when Feyre's neck gets snapped, Rhysand calls out her name as well. Anyway, But so she's in limbo, and she says that she feels like a bit of a tug, like, to hold on and, like, come back. And so she's holding on to it, and she does eventually, like, decide, oh, I will stay. Like, I'm not going to die. I will stay. But, um, so, yeah, while she's in limbo, Rhysand uses his mind power to go into the minds of all of the other High Lords and convince them to help Feyre to give her, like, a kernel of life because of what 
she did to help save them. So they all go out to her and offer her, like, I guess a seed of their power of life, a life force to bring her back. And in doing so, it transforms her into High Fae. And she's brought back to life with ease. And and yeah, that's she's re- essentially just resurrected. We know she's an immortal High Fae now. And that's it. Really the end. They kind of go back to the Spring Court and... I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to pick it up in the next book. Um, but first of all, sorry, before they go back to the spring pond, um, they spend one more night under the mountain just to, like, ensure that everyone's getting home safely, like, everyone's, like, sorted out. And Feyre says that she feels, like, the tug of that, like, a tug again. And so she goes out and she finds Resand, and he has wings that she has never seen before um, and apparently that no one else has seen before, and they just have a little chat, um, and then she says that he, like, kind of, like, has a moment where, like, he snaps and, like, just looks at her, like, as though he's seen something, like, bewildering, essentially, and if you've read the other books, this is a big spoiler, so stop listing if you haven't read the other books yet, this is the only spoiler warning I will give for this series, because this is important, um, so this is the moment where, for him, he realises that Feyre is his mate, Boom. Boom. Mic drop. But also we, as an audience, also don't find that out until about midway through the next book either. Because if anything, Sarah J Mass has taught us is you learn why things are done the way they are, why things happen the way they happen. Everything is revealed sort of a little bit later on. So you've just got to be a bit patient with this. Yeah. Finally, back into the spring court, which I think that's where we're going to pick up for the next book. Um, yeah. So, so overall, little... I reckon Farrah, she has to have powers, like, of some sort. She has to. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something we're going to be leaning into for the next, I guess, the rest of the yeah, series. Yeah, because she took, yeah, a kernel of life and power from all of the High Lords. So to give life, they would have to give essence of themselves. So surely she gets a bit of everything, which is which should be pretty exciting. Um. So, yeah, overall, how'd you, how'd you find it? Thoughts, opinions, emotions? Yeah, I love this book. As I was saying at the start, this is the book that, like, I hadn't read casually in a really long time. And thanks to Book Talk, yeah, this is the book that got me into reading casually again. And I think I devoured this. My, on my first read, I read through all five books in one weekend. Like, I just wanted more and I devoured it. And then upon my second reading, and especially now that I'm doing a second reading of Throne of Glass series as well, there are so many hints and clues about things that are happening and so many just like little like pockets of information that you need to hold on to. So it's a really interesting book, one, just to read, but then two, to reread and like realise where all those little hints and clues were along the way. I found, because I, I remember you were like harassing me, like, you got to read this book, <laughs> um, which is good because it just kicked me back into gear of reading again because, yeah, I hadn't read like, for leisure in, like, such a long time, which also was a bit of a con in itself because I found myself not being able to really immerse myself in the book. I didn't really... I got Mm. maybe until maybe the Under the Mountain part where I felt really, like, transfixed in the story. I found it just a wee bit bit boring. But then again, yeah, I feel like I hadn't been able to immerse myself that much. Um, But, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a good, like, book settler to kind of get back into it. Um, yeah, heavy Beauty and the Beast themes. Um, yeah, and yeah, looking forward to what the rest of the how the rest of the series goes. Um, Amaranth is dead. Does that 
lead to more conflict implications with Highburn. I, I reckon. Yeah, because should. there's mention yeah of Highburn, so you would think that he would come in. Yeah, for sure. And we're just gonna have to wait and see. But and so yeah. the books do get bigger, but this is like a pretty average size book to begin with. I'm just trying to get a page. I have the collector's edition, but it's. I would say it's about. This, mine says 4.33 before acknowledgements, yeah. but it is the collector's edition, so I don't know if there's extra sneaky pages that I'm unaware of yet, because I haven't yet to fully read the collector's edition book yet. Yeah, so I would say it's about 4, yeah, 4.30, pages. Quite small, it's quite easy to get into. I read it in a couple of hours in the afternoon, essentially. Um, but yeah, it's great. Highly recommend. The other books are like do get quite a bit bigger but they're also separated into sections so you could just read like part one call it a day like call it a, a rest break and then read part two yeah yeah a lot of them moving forward have at least like three or four parts but yeah it's breaking mm. up quite evenly i think that's it. and yeah you just you were just so excited about this book that you got me on board and then yeah we just decided to you know yeah have have a cheeky little podcast to try and like give yes. an excuse to read and talk about things together it's yeah great. and to make sure that we kept reading books yeah exactly i just need to get a wriggle along with the current book i am reading but that's okay but yeah thanks for for listening i hope we have similar you know ideas and opinions would be fun um thank you book talk and kenzie for this because yeah i've been seeing a lot of akatar on my for you page and i'm just like what what does all this mean yeah, and same. like, and you, I was and, like oh, fine, may as well. And like, you see, before reading the book, you see all the like videos about like Reese's character, and you're like, and you're reading the book, and you're like, where does this guy pop in? And then, yeah, I was like, who is Reese, and why does everyone hate Tamlin? He seems really nice right now. Yeah. But yeah, final thoughts on like Tamlin and Farah's relationship? Surely they get like married, like they love each other. They've pronounced they love each other. Yeah, exactly. They're very much in love. She saved him and his entire core, and she did it because she loved him so much. So I hope that the next book is all about marriage and weddings and stuff. Maybe a little bit lighthearted, I hope. But yeah, very, yeah. very ending in Beauty and the Beast vibes. Belle gets the Beast, Farrah gets Tamlin. We love it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, keep an ear out for the next instalment of the book because we are definitely going to be talking about the rest of the series because we want to see this to the end. And make sure to like and follow our Instagram page and you'll find us at Letterboxd Book Club. Wonderful. Bye, everyone.